Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, big pod, we have Hunter Wap, investor at Homebrew, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Hunter, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Impressive stuff, but we can't talk about that, right? That's right. That's That's good. (laughs) Very impressive stuff. Well, are you ready to dive in? I am ready. Yay, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Connect, a recruiting platform unlike any other. Whether you're looking to hire the best go-to-market talent or looking for your next opportunity, Bets can help. Bets has spent more than a decade building relationships with the world's most innovative companies and professionals. And for the first time ever, you can access this network with Bets Connect. As the only go-to-market recruiting platform built by recruiters and powered by recruiters, Connect enables you to search through a network of vetted go-to-market professionals actively looking for their next opportunity and make better hires faster. In addition, Bets Connect clients the ROI within 90 days. Plus, if you're looking for your next big opportunity, you can join the Bets Network and get connected with the world's most innovative companies that are looking to hire go-to-market professionals like you. Learn more about hiring top talent or finding your next role at BetsRecruiting.com slash non-technical. Before Homebrew, Hunter led consumer product management at YouTube, starting when it was acquired by Google. He originally joined Google in 2003, managing product and sales efforts for AdSense, Google's contextual advertising business. His first job in Silicon Valley was as the founding product and marketing guy at Linden Lab. Before graduate school, he was a management consultant and also spent a year at Late Night with Conan O'Brien. His parents are proud of his BA in history from Vassar and his MBA from Stanford University. Hunter Walk, welcome to Non-Technical. Thanks, happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you here. How's your day going? Quite nicely. I'm here in San Francisco. Oh, you are? They say September and October is our summer. That's right. So it's nice and sunny. Is it shorts sunny? If you were to venture out, would you wear shorts? I think shorts is a state of mind more than a temperature. (laughs) So yes, it is shorts regardless of what the thermometer says. Are you from somewhere cold? Uh, I'm from the New York City suburbs. Really? Which suburb? Queens and Long Island. Long Island. Long, Long Island. Island. Long Island. Strong Island, even. Money making Strong <laughs> Island, yes. I've been out here, though, for 20 plus years, so... Really? My blood has thinned. 40 degrees is chilly. Yep. Do you identify more as an East Coaster or a West Coaster? No, nah, I'm a New York City Jew. It's an, okay. I'm an East Coaster. In fact, That's I have a life. daughter... I have a daughter and it's very important to me that even though she's clearly a West Coast kid, she's born and raised out here, that she knows how to fold a slice of pizza and swipe a Metro card. Oh, she better. How old is she? She's nine and a half. Okay. By nine and a half, you should be going through that turnstile first try. If you're nine and a half and those nine and a half years have all been raised in Manhattan, you're basically more capable than most adults. 100% true. Hunter, I'm so excited to have you on the show, not only because of our shared East Coasterhood, but also because we have a lovely mutual friend. Well, I think we have several, but Ellen De Silva introduced us. She indeed was our path to today. She was our path to today. She has formerly been on non-technical and it was so much fun. And she and I know each other through a long and winding path involving her sister and of course the internet and San Francisco and all that good stuff. Okay, so more of an East Coaster, but you're living on the West Coast. How did you spend your last day off? My last day off? Yeah. I'm a big putterer when I get a day off. So I like to, yeah, I like to just sort of like In my mind, I have a bunch of things that have to get done. Okay. Those things could range in significance from shred some papers (laughs) 
to like solve global inequality. Yeah, of course. And they're all kind of prioritized on it's the same to list. Have levels. <laughs> yeah. And so long as I cross a few of them off, I feel like it was pretty successful. A spoiler alert, oh, I didn't boy. cross off solve global inequality, but I did oh, shred some man. papers. Okay. Do you have a shredder at your house? Oh, I do. I have an Amazon Basics shredder. No. Does it have the Amazon Basics logo right on there? Oh, totally. Nice. They didn't even try to come oh, up with it. like a fake brand that sounded all, you know, no, of sort of modern. Not. It just says Amazon Basics. The most outrageous Amazon Basics logo I have in my home is on a silicon baking mat. Mm. It's just right on there. Again, they didn't try. In a world where, you know, marketers are usually trying to deceive us, yeah. I kind of like the fact that it just is Amazon Basics. We bought a home out here in the Bay Area in 2005, so, oh, so a while ago. A while ago. But I remember when we were looking, I realized that if a neighborhood was given its sort of name yeah. by realtors, yes. it was the complete opposite. 100%. And if it was given it by indigenous people, it was accurate. So yes. Sunnyside, if Sunnyside was named by people who were here before me, uh -huh. it is likely sunny and on the mm -hmm. side of a hill. Yes. If it was named by realtors, it's completely flat ground that sits in the fog. That's right. Yes, 100%. And also something that has always blown my mind, especially in the last, let's call it like five years, the New York neighborhoods popping up are just getting outrageous. Oh, micro hoods, micro it's hoods, absurd, right? Like triangle yes. between the park and 79th. Literally. And it's like two blocks. And I'm just like, who are you trying to fool? But then honestly, it's- You're kind of fooled, yeah. Not me, not I, savvy New Yorker. I know. I know when it's a marketing ploy. It's also because I can tell based on how they structure the ads. I think that went through a little bit of thing here. There was sort of like the East Cut or something they were trying to sort of push on people. <laughs> Where was the East Cut? I think it was a neighborhood in South of a Market. Like they were trying to sort of subdivide South of Market. Yeah. Yep. I don't, you know, look, you know, when I moved out here, I remember the thing was you'd have cab drivers. It was pre-Uber, so you'd have cab drivers. Yep. And the cab drivers would ask you, when did you move to the Bay Area? And whatever yeah. year you told them, like, let's say it was, I moved here in 98, I could say, sure. you know, 98. They'd be like, oh yeah, like 95 was so much better. Like they oh pick a God, year, that's so funny. a few years before you that basically didn't exactly say people like you ruined it, Yep. but it was sort of... <laughs> but the implication was there. Yeah. <laughs> now I do that to others. Oh, I was going to ask you, is there a point at which you feel that when people say the year, you're like, oh man, right before that was a good year? Well, you know, I used to think that. And then I read this book called Season of the Witch, which is about like the history of San Francisco oh. and sort of a little bit of California. And it basically cool. tells you that San Francisco has always kind of been crazy and okay. it just goes through cycles. And so yeah. I realized that, no, it was always kind of like that. And, you know, you arrive at a certain point in a cycle and then you sort of, you sort of watch the next generation go through it. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. I'm definitely going to keep that in mind. It comes up a lot, certainly. It's a good thick book too. So if, if you need it as a doorstop or yeah. kill an insect or something, yep. like it's multiple purpose. Totally. Or to hold your computer up. I'm always trying to get that angle. If you need to raise your laptop up so mm -hmm. that you're proper ergonomics. Perfect. We love yeah. ergonomics here. At it's important. Core so as mentioned, I'm sitting on a wobbly stool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not supposed to. I'm sitting on, a, I'm sitting on a squeaky chair, chair, so I can't move. <laughs> I love the idea of you just sitting there so uncomfortable. And I've asked you to come on my podcast and I'm like, okay, come on the podcast. But like, could you just not move at all for an I hour? think that's the plot of like Saw 9. It's yeah. a 24 hour podcast. And if I move, <laughs> my, my collar explodes right. or something. That's next season. That's season two. I'm going to raise the stakes. I have a new Saw sponsor. the web series. Yeah, that's yeah. the web series. <laughs> That's great. You don't need backgrounds. You can just no, like, of course it's, not. it's a zoom window. Yeah. No, I'm scrappy. I've got that scrappy startup mentality, Hunter. We're going to move fast and break things. Of course. Okay. So you said you were a potterer on your day off. 
You also, yeah, I believe, power. have mentioned before that you're particular about your coffee. So does a day off involve like a serious coffee situation? I think the more time you give me, yeah, it doesn't turn into preparation. It turns hmm. into volume. I see. What will happen is, let's say you and I, we're taking a day off. Sure. And I would say, hey, why don't we meet somewhere for coffee at nine? And what I would actually do is I'd sort of get up probably at six with my dog okay. and I'd have a cup or two at home that yeah. I would brew. Oh. But then we'd meet somewhere. We'd have a nice time. But then I'd say, oh, I got to run because I'm meeting somebody else at 1030 for another cup of coffee. It would be it would be a lot of coffee. That would be four coffees before, let's call it 11 a.m. I basically try to do all my coffees before noon. It's it's coffee before okay. noon, Yep. Yep. tea before sunset and whiskey before dawn. That's beautiful. And you're also particular about your whiskey. Yeah, everyone has a quarantine hobby. That became my quarantine hobby. Oh, that was new in the last year or so? It amplified. It was something that moved from occasional and bars to yeah. home. Home. Yeah. Uh, it's called, <laughs> it it's moved called, to the home. <laughs> it moved to the home. It moved to the home. I tried to explain to make sure that my wife and daughter weren't concerned about all sure. the bottles that were coming yeah. to the house. Um, because I, it's, I'm a, I, I drink in moderation, but yeah. I'm enthusiastic. You know, what I decided is that not to care about many things, but the things I care about to care about deeply. Yes. When I get into something, I kind of get into it. I totally get you that. You know, went zero to hundred pretty quickly. I told them, I said, look, this is hobby dollars. So you don't have to worry. Ooh, it's, it's hobby dollars. Hobby dollars. Now they know when I say I'm going on an errand, they pretty much know what it is, but they just look and they say hobby dollars. And I say, yeah. And so they, is there they a conversion rate for hobby dollars to your typical U.S. currency? Thankfully, there's not sort of the question hasn't been asked about do hobby dollars extend to like, does my daughter get hobby dollars? Right. You know, <laughs> what I found is that she has a good nose for for this stuff because she'll, she'll smell whatever I'm drinking and she yeah. can kind of tell what it is, which is oh, that's great. Amuses the adults. Yeah, that's a nice little party trick for a nine for a nine and a half year old. She's going to be a, either a responsible, educated drinker yeah. or or childhood alcoholic. Sure, but one of the two. And honestly, isn't that what's beautiful about life? We don't know yet. She'll be fine on the other side of of either of the experiences. It's just exactly. a question about whether we get a good, you know, a good college essay out of it. Or that's not. right. <laughs> I love that perspective. So, Hunter, have you ever been known as the something person? For example, I was definitely like the drama girl in high school. Mm. And it could be high school, college, a job, your personal life. I'm going to turn that question into a slightly different one. Wow, I love that. That's Which bold. is to say, what that reminds me of is I felt like I had to actually make a conscious decision at a point in my life. Really? Trying to figure out whether I was weirdest of the normal or okay. most normal of the weird. Relative to your peer group? or to all people? To the people that I was likely to encounter. I see. My peer group. Yes. Whether I was weirdest of the normal or most mm -hmm. normal of the weird. I mean, we haven't known each other that long, but do you have an inclination about which I decided? Weirdest of the normal or most normal amongst the weird. Hmm. I, I would have to say that having only ever spoken to you during this recording, hmm, you know, I think you may have chosen weirdest of the normal. I, that's what I chose. I said at its core, yeah. I'm just, I, there's like a little bit too much, a uh, little too much of the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I'm at its core kind of a normie, but I can sort mm -hmm. of be a normie, a normie that has like a little bit of, you know, boundary flirtation. Sure. A little spice. So that's what I decided. And my mom's an artist and my dad did more traditional business. So I felt like I was trying to also answer a larger question about like, nature versus nurture and all this type totally. of stuff. But, but I decided that in my heart of hearts, 
uh, most weird of the normal. And how does that manifest itself? Does it influence your decision making? Unconsciously. It would be sad if it was too conscious. Then it's kind of performative. What would the weird guy do? Right. Yeah, it's not performative. <laughs> I feel like that's how you end up in a fedora. Or an ascot. Oh, both, both. Let's be real. I think it allowed me to sort of give in to the, oh, you want to do that? Well, you can do that. That's okay. Your intuition won't lead Ooh. you astray. What's something that you gave into as a result of that that was surprising? I know we can't talk about it since it was in my bio, but like I did a cable access TV show and that sort of led to me doing Conan O'Brien for a year and that type of stuff. I'm really sad that that's part of your professional background because I want to ask you about it so badly. The cable access TV show isn't. I mean, like that's Yeah, what was game. that? I went to this liberal arts undergrad yeah. and I was sports editor of the paper. I okay. was always kind of a little newspaper nerd kid. Yeah. We're talking early 90s, early mid 90s. Okay, sure. So it's not like multi-platform, you know, like no. today there's no Tumblr, you know, type of thing. <laughs> right. I figured like, I'm going to go omni-channel. So if I'm writing for the newspaper, like what else can I do? I was like, well, what if I had a cable access TV show? Wait, that's awesome. What kind of show was it? It was interviewing the athletes that I was interviewing for the newspaper. That's so funny. What would you call it? Like cinema, cinema verte a little bit? Sure. Well, was it you interviewing athletes just like straight down the middle or were you doing like a Zach Galifianakis between two ferns vibe? It was more sort of uh, like I interviewed a friend from the cycling team while we were pedaling on stationary bikes and the women's volleyball team while I was trying to like return their serves or That's things like so that. so funny. It kind of wasn't. No? <laughs> watching it back. Well, here's what happened. I videotaped it, right? And I convinced myself that it was only like lack of budget that was making it not so great. Like okay. that otherwise I was really talented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I watched it back a few years later and I was like, yeah. oh, I wasn't budget. That's where I realized that I was probably better behind the camera. And so that's why when I went on Conan and stuff, I was kind of researching interview guests and writing interview questions and doing that sort of stuff. I wasn't angling to get on stage. Sure. Sometimes though, it's good to go through those experiences so you can learn that stuff. It's very important to know who you are. It's important. <laughs> Self-awareness. <Wow. laughs> growth mindset. Exactly. <laughs> How do I always end up talking about growth mindset? To loop back. I don't yeah. think I was known as like, oh, the drama <laughs> girl. But I do think that I sort of had a self-image. Then, then all of a sudden, like, I both wanted to fill but live up to. And that mm. creates its own sort of, you know, self-narrative. I really appreciate that sentiment, actually, because I find myself going in and out of that in different ways at different points in my life, especially as it relates to that interplay between business stuff and tech and then art and comedy and entertainment. Tell me this. Okay. Is there a fad that, and this could be cultural workout, fashion, whatever, that you look back on participating in that now makes you a little cringy? Oh, well, there was a period of time where I think they called them rat tails. Oh no. Do you remember the, oh, I mean, I they were sort of like little braids oh. um, off to the side. But I thought it would come from the back of your hair. You're the bottom of your hair. Yeah. That would keep growing. So Long Island childhood, a few things maybe like that. There was definitely a rat tail type was of thing. Was it one rat tail? There was one. Okay. It was during a phase where like the guys in junior high, uh -huh. you'd either do rat tails or yeah. tiger stripes. You'd get like the little line shaved into the side of your head. You opted for rat tail over tiger stripes or was this a combo? No, I went for rat tail. Okay. I'm not follically suited to either. Aha. Uh -huh. I see. You know, another important piece of your identity that you had to learn. It wasn't accompanied by a full like new kids on the block outfit or things like that. But oh, okay. It might have had a little bit of like, oh, you know, I'm wearing two different color Converse All-Stars. and. Yes. Oh my God, this visual. I'm loving it. A little bit ducky from Pretty in Pink, maybe. I don't know. No hat though. Was it a braided rat tail? Yeah. Oh, 
Uh huh. Oh. With little, uh, with like you, you use little rubber bands. You use oh, the little pe- rubber bands at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. My mom would braid it for me. Oh my god, that's very very sweet. And she's, she's very an artist, so yeah, it must have been a beautiful braid. Yeah, yeah. Well, she did a good job. That's really nice. Yeah. So I'd say there was a, a handful of maybe unfortunate kind of late eighties mm. um, fashion fads yeah. that I fell victim to. They were perishable in nature. I see. Yeah. No lasting damage. You know, I was sort of saying like care about a few things, but care about them deeply. Yes. I did a week long silent meditation retreat about a decade ago without having done much meditation prior. Okay. This is going to sound crazy maybe, but I've thought about doing that. I think it's worth it. If you can do it for a long weekend, like that's great. If you can do it for a whole week or whatever, even better. But you know, if there's an opportunity to do it sooner rather than later, but get a good like 48, 72 hours, I would do it rather than keep waiting for the magical week that never appears. Okay. Interesting. I enjoyed it. It was quite the ride. And you hadn't done much meditation or much silent meditation before you did that? No. And this was like full go inside and you don't come out for a week. Seriously? Where was it? Up at Spirit Rock, up here in Marin. I'm scared to do it. I'm scared that it's going to feel like all the walls are closing in on me if I can't talk. You know, you drive up there. Yes. I had told myself, I said, look, worst case scenario is you are 15 minutes away from an in and out. You'll be okay. Oh, I love that. Okay, yeah. You could have animal style fries within a cool 25 minutes. I could bolt for the car <laughs> and I could be at an in and out. Okay. That already makes me feel a little bit better. No, but this is what happened. What? So, you know, I got there a little bit early since I'm most, since I'm weirdest of the normal. Yeah. If I was most normal of the weird, I'd probably show up a little bit late, but since I'm weirdest of the normal, I show up early. There we go. And they said, well, we have a bunch of retreats here this week. We're going to have to pile the cars in. <gasps> Oh no. Oh no. When yours is over, are you trying to make a flight? Because if people were trying to make a flight, they wanted to keep your car out so you could get out quickly. Oh my God. Obviously I wasn't, I couldn't start this relationship on a lie. Of course. I said, no, I'm just going to be driving back to San Francisco. I'm not in any rush. And so they had me pull all the way in so that then the next, like I had three levels of cars in front of me that I couldn't get out. Oh no. So all of a sudden, Alexis, my parachute of a burger and fries and a car was taken away from me. And I, I, I had to give myself over. I had to give myself oh my at the moment. God. It was a choice. Do I lie? Do I lie and say that I, yes, I have wow. to make a flight or do I give myself over to the process? I, I gave myself over to the process and I said, there's, I just like, I can't get out or at least I can't get to an in and out. Talk about kicking a silent meditation retreat off with a bang. Did you get anxious? There's the universe telling me that it was time to give, give myself over. Oh my God. Okay. And you'd still recommend it even to someone like me. I mean, you get my deal at this point. Like I'm very afraid of something like that. Even more so, right? Like that's even better. The quiet part wasn't as big a deal for me. Like that was okay. It was the being alone with your thoughts and not being able to like read, right? Like trying to get to the silence. Are you allowed to write stuff down? You're not supposed to. Basically what I did was I kept a little notebook just to do two things. Yeah. So I kind of kept like a let's call it just like a trend line about how I was feeling because I wanted to, in the moment, I want to be able to like look back at sort of this line ups and downs and sort of see and remember how I was feeling. And then if there was something, like there was something I couldn't get out of my head, I wrote the word down Ah. so that I could be like, oh, I'm putting it over there. This wonderful idea or this thing or this like the realization that you have to talk to your father, you know, about the toy that you broke at, you know, three and have been sort of, you know, in therapy for, like, I needed to write that down somewhere just so I could let it pass through me. It wasn't like contraband, but I didn't flaunt the fact I had a a pen and paper. No. I would do it when necessary. Okay. Okay. uh, Okay. It's possible. It, It continues to be a possibility, something that I might do in my life, but I'm happy to hear that it sounds like you would recommend it. 
I would recommend it. Okay. Firmly would recommend. Firmly. Tell me this. If you were kidnapped, but you had the chance to communicate with your friends and family and needed to secretly let them know that something was wrong, what sentence or phrase would you say to tip them off? Sounds good. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> That's, I'm, I, I have opinions. <laughs> they would know? They would know. What did you do with Hunter? <laughs> He's not open to whatever we want to do. <laughs> Is there anything where you genuinely are open to whatever? I've been married since 2004 and with my wife since 2000. So I've had to figure out how to do that. Yeah. But I think if that if you went back and asked, she'd say that like, nah, it's more of what do you want to do? And I, I'm good. I'm creating, I'm fine at creating choices. And okay. it's not that I want to prevent other people from doing what they want to do. I'm just, I just want to be able to opt out of that. If it's not the thing that you want. And I don't like long goodbyes. How so? Tell me what that means. Like, you know, when the check comes at dinner, Yeah. Uh-huh. then people talk for 30 minutes. <laughs> That's not what you're supposed to do. My wife says she has a story of the check coming and me putting down my credit card, everyone talking. And then she did, she couldn't figure out where I went. Somebody said, isn't that your husband? And I was sitting outside in a cab waiting for her. Oh my God. I don't know if it exactly happened like that, but it's probably directionally <laughs> correct. So in your mind, the check coming means this dinner's over. Most, yeah. Mo okay. I mean, I, I, I want to hold a little bit of sort of room open for, you know, other others to believe, but like, mm. but that's like, do you sit in a theater after the after the credits? No, you, you get up and you leave. The check is like the credits of a movie. It's definitely a point that has some weight, but I am definitely the person that is sitting chatting after the check has hit the table for sure. Then you'd, you'd probably see me in a cab outside. <laughs> and honestly, though, I would respect that. Like me and maybe the other people in this scenario, me and Ellen could could yes. hang out and yeah. sit and check. I bet she would chat with me after the check. I just I fall into the category of I'm an, I'm an introvert who likes people. So like yes, when I come to when those. I come back to New York and stuff, I do arrange like small dinners. And people are like, well, I thought you don't like people. I'm like, no, no. I get to pick the five people I want to eat with. I get yeah. to pick where we're going. Yeah. What time? Yes. You know. I know we're always going for like it's going to be Thai or Tex-Mex. It's going to be something that doesn't have courses. It's all going to come out. We'll be out of here in 16 to 90 minutes. It's like the usual suspects where he realizes he's been talking to Kaiser Sozini, like the mug and so on and so forth. It's like all of, all of a sudden it becomes clear that I invited you. I sent the invite. I chose yep. where we were going. I ordered for everybody. Now it's time to go home. Honestly, though, Hunter, that sounds like a dream dinner experience to me because I'm particular about some things, but I also really appreciate when things are handled for me. And the only thing that I really have to do to participate is show up. It'll be good people, too. I enjoy putting people together. You'll enjoy it. If you're the type of person who, when you made plans, you're like, oh, this is going to be, we're going to be out for the night. It's like, no. No, I like that. Those magazines aren't going to read themselves. I got to get back to the hotel. I think that's what's great, though, is that you can leave and then the night can keep going without you. You know what I mean? If the other five people go and make a left and I'll go to the bar next door and I go make a right and walk home, like that's, that's great. That's, that, that's success. That's a live and let live yeah. moment. Good. People used to think that I was leaving to go to something else. I'd be like, oh, I'm cutting this short because I have a better place to go. It's like, no, only if you think being by myself, you know, with a stack of New Yorker magazines is, is better. I mean, that does. That sounds great. <laughs> because I do. That's where I'm going. I would love to be someone that reads The New Yorker. How did you become someone that reads The New Yorker? I love magazines. Print. Well, my favorite magazine is New York Magazine. They're both very good. This was my first ever print magazine subscription. Mm -hmm. I got it in high school before I even moved to New York. Okay. So I used to subscribe to a lot of magazines. Yeah. And I was the kind of kid too, who I'd call to negotiate my rate. No. As a yeah, child? I mean, like, are you, you a room? Are you paying the price on those insert cards? Come on. Yes. <laughs> Everything's negotiable. If I 
called up New York Magazine tomorrow, you think they're going to give me a lower rate? A lot of it has tightened. But back in the day, let's just say that they had a lot of leeway. You okay. could ask for a student rate. You could ask for a professional rate. You could say, I got some promotion in the mail, but I threw it out, but I'm fairly certain it was lower than the That's one I had in my hand. That's an amazing tip. Because it was advertising driven, they just needed subscribers. You know, like the fact that you were paying them also was was like, you know, wow. added bonus. Okay, well, this has added a lot of value to my life, literally, financial value. Now I try to do that on Substack. <laughs> I'll just call, but Casey, come on. Hey, I look. thought I saw a lower thing. <laughs> Not this $100 a year. What about $69.99? No, 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 I think I saw something. Uh, I think I saw a tweet. I think there was an email. Yeah, there was something like, I don't know, maybe a tote bag. Do I get a tote bag too? <laughs> And uh, how's that going so far? I had better luck with Sports Illustrated. Well, you know what? Maybe someday you'll get that sweet, sweet friends and family discount. I have a friend who our, our relationship is pretty much just sending each other pictures of the date of the New Yorker we're currently on because we're, really? we were both like traditionally so horribly behind. behind. Yeah. Text would be like, you know, September 14th, 1989. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, that is that is old. I like friendships like that too, where they are just so specific and narrow in scope that that's the thing that you text back and forth. Right. Friends with niches. I have one friend who the thing that we exclusively text back and forth is instances of people using quotation marks incorrectly. Oh, that's our whole text thread. It's just photos of poorly used quotation marks. Right. That's like that's like creating the special purpose Twitter accounts that just reply to correct grammar or things like that. Oh, yeah. I think there are more than one of those. <laughs> it was my birthday this past Saturday. Really? Oh, my gosh. Uh -huh. Happy birthday. Thanks. So basically, there's this number that texts me on my birthday each year. Really? And the only text in the thread is this person wishing me happy birthday. Yeah. And I haven't been able to figure out who it is. Do you say thank you? I always reply. It's it's a real person. Is it blue bubbles or green bubbles? No, it's blue. Okay. It is personalized. Hey, I read your blog post you wrote about whatever. Oh, and happy okay. birthday. I don't think it's spam. I think it's a real person. And I usually don't have a whole lot of awkwardness and kind of yeah. being like the, hey, I have no idea who this is. Totally. Even sometimes resorting to the, go to new phone and the... Just... <laughs> the literal new phone who did? Yeah. This one has gone on too long. How many years? I, I think it's about four or five. Oh, Hunter. Oh, no. Have you reverse looked up the number online mm -hmm. and nothing? No, look, check my email. You know, I sort of everything public and private. I think I'm just going to ask. You could ask. Um, you could. When does this pod drop? After it drops, can I just, can I send them? <laughs> can I just, can I reply with the, the, the link, the time 100%. code to this conversation? Honestly, that would bring me so much joy. I would love for you to do that. I will send you the exact time code. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Mystery texter. We can't wait for you to reveal your identity. They, their content. I'm so happy. Exactly. Okay. Hunter, I am very interested in your answer to this. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something inconsequential that you would really go to bat for. <laughs> Besides the, when the check comes, it's time to go. Yes. Smallest hill. I feel like there's a lot of things that I sort of, I believe you have to be like consistent on, you know, it's uh -huh. sort of not even the size of the hill. It's like consistency is the, okay. is the hill. I have a ferocious distaste for double parking. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that there are a certain number of rules that hold society together. Written or unwritten rules? A mixture. And those have to be respected. Okay. And rules that are about like regulatory capture or that are unfair, like it's okay to break those rules. Okay. There's some rules that are just sort of on the other side of them are sort of anarchy. Yeah. And I think double parking is one of them. Okay. This is a fantastic kill. I want to clarify. So do you think that nobody should ever double park under any circumstance? I think that if you can make the case Yes. That the reason you are double parking is more important than the sum, not the 
inconvenience you're causing any one other person. Yes. But, but the sum total, sum total of the inconvenience, of the inconvenience yes. you are causing. So like if it's a medical emergency. Right. Like baby being born in back of Uber and that Uber needs to double park to get it into the hospital. Like that one. Yeah, there's probably exemptions like exemptions for creation or removal of life. Like Cre probably. Yeah. Life creation. Famously how people refer to life and death is yeah, life creation yeah, yeah, and life, yeah, exactly. life removal. Uh, so yeah. I mean, that's, what, that's, a, that's a Hallmark card moment. That's beautiful. That's a business. Yeah. Congratulations on your creation of life. I'm so sorry to hear about your <laughs> removal of life. Yeah, exactly. But outside of that, I think it's I'm hard pressed. They're all gestures, gestures that suggest that you value or care about your particular convenience more so than the cumulative cost you're totally. impugning upon society. Is the double parking frustration just one example of multiple things? I think you could certainly certainly extend it to like other examples of things yeah. like that. Why are you a double parker? No. In fact, I barely park. This is less relevant. This sort of feels like the late stage Gen Xer doing a comedy bit because like everybody <laughs> is sitting there being like, I don't own a car. I would love to own a car. I'm not very good at parking in general. And I think that it makes me feel stupid. So I would need to get better at parking first in order to even consider double parking. But after this conversation, I don't know that I would feel right. I have a tough question for you. Have you ever double parked a car? We asked the tough questions on non-technical hunter. I'm going to go there. Never is probably a strong word. Wow. Okay. I can't remember double parking. Hmm. That's not the same as having never done it. Interesting. Hmm. Well, look, this is also people who grew up in New York or yeah. cities like that. You yeah. understand the difference between no standing, no stopping, no parking. That's right. That's right. Those are different. I guess it's no stopping, no standing, no parking, right? Like, because no stopping yeah. is can't even do a drop off. Right. No standing. I think you can do a drop off. You can shove someone out of the car. You can't leave the car. Oh, certainly not. Right. So driver, you can stop. The driver's side can stay, can stay occupied. Okay. And no parking is you, you can't leave the car. Yeah, I think that sounds right. To be specific then, mm. I probably haven't stopped when there's no stopping, but I may have stood where there's no standing. Wow. Scoop, major scoop alert on non-technical pod. Hunter walk, parking rule breaker. Statute of limitation. <laughs> you know, this is the kind of question where it's, it's it's probably more interesting to hear what other people say about you, right? Like, what's the most oh, trivial like, thing you, that mm -hmm. makes you mad, that makes this person mad? Because I'm sure like your friends would be like, oh my goodness, he's a wonderful person except for these things. Yeah, exactly. What do you think your wife would say? I think she'd probably pick some things where that I'm very specific and, you know, like the way I organize things or something like that. Like I have a it's very important to me that we maximize the capacity of the, the dishwasher. dishwasher. Yep. By the way, something that other people on this podcast have said before about their spouses. It just makes sense. A, you're using a resource. Yep. Forget even if it's not even the cost. Honor the water. Honor the water. Of course. And if it takes the same amount of time to put it in intelligently, why won't you put it in intelligently? That's well said. And I think there are a lot of people that would agree with you and I'm one of them. So if you're going to ask my wife, I think yes. she might say something about like, I tend to be very particular about a handful of small things in the way that I like to see them done. Mm, that makes sense. I, I guess that. inefficiency, I do, inefficiency drives me yeah. a little nuts. I find it very frustrating as well. I think one that I realized recently about myself is I cannot, cannot, cannot handle it when retail establishments whose success is based on the level of foot traffic, have doors that make it A, look like the establishment is closed, or B, that are so mm. heavy and hard to open that it feels locked. 
Well, I'll tell you the smallest thing. If you said, Hunter, you are king of the world. Yes. What's the smallest thing you would change that would yeah, bring you the most it? joy? Yes. It's doors. It's like, you know, the they sometimes have them on public restrooms. The doors where when you, once it's locked, opening it with the handle will also unlock the door oh. from the inside. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it turns the, I guess this is an efficiency thing, as opposed to having to unlock the door and then turn the handle. Yes. Once the door is locked, you can just turn the handle yeah. and then... Explain to me why that's not a standard. I thought you were going to say the thing where on bathrooms, and I feel like this is outside of the U.S. mostly, if it's locked, it says locked on it. The signage could be improved uh, <laughs> generally. Just across the board. I agree with that a lot. Or at least red or green. I mean, for some people, yeah, you I have know. to just Give do red something. or green. That's always driven me crazy, though. I'm like, you already put the time in to develop a lock for this door. At least give us a little indicator that it's locked or not locked. The college I went to had co-ed bathrooms. My dad wouldn't go to the restroom in the co-ed bathrooms. So he would really? walk, like if we were in my dorm, he would walk across and he had to go to the bathroom. He would like walk across campus to the library no. or the administration building oh to find God. gendered bathrooms. Wow. Wow. Sometimes you got to really just put your foot down for what you want in this life. Hunter, is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? No Woman, No Cry. Oh, really? Bob Marley? Yes. I went to summer camp. Okay. And one summer, there was this huge purge of counselors. Really? Who got thrown out for <gasps> like having an off, whatever you call it, like off camp yeah, sure. party with like, really? you know, drugs and booze and stuff. Oh and my the God, camper to, scandal, scandal. Yeah, the camper to staff ratio went from like one to 10 to one to 30 overnight. Oh All of a sudden God. you had like junior counselors running the waterfront. It was, it was huge scandal. Wow, mayhem. And our like too cool counselor who- yeah. I mean, I was 12 or 13. He sure. seemed like he was much older, but I, I guess he was probably 17 or 18. I know. Those people literally seem like Don Draper from Golden Gods. When you're 12. Golden Gods. Yeah, yeah, before he got on his Harley <laughs> and motored it's out. Like him. he's 16 and his name's Brandon. <laughs> he gave us his Bob Marley greatest hits tape. Oh, yes. And that was like our rite of passage. That was the summer I became a man. Wow. A tape? Like a cassette? Oh yeah, I'm 48. I, I had like tapes. I had tapes when I grew was up. This, was there a boombox? Oh yeah. Oh nice. There was a boombox tapes. We had Walkman type of thing. This was pre CDs. This was probably this must have been summer '85. That's uh, what are you? '85, '86. Sure. And all of a sudden, we just we kept playing Bob Marley Legend Greatest Hits. That's amazing. In honor of that cool, cool counselor. Too cool. Cool counselor. Damn, it'll get you. Every time. Every time. <laughs> My cat in the cradle. Exactly. <laughs> Hunter, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Whether you're looking to hire the best go-to-market talent or looking for your next opportunity, Bets can help. Okay, friends, I'm bringing you what I think may be the one and only time I allow myself to use a phrase like this on the podcast. Here we go. Let's talk about the future of work. I'm not telling you anything you don't know when I say the future of work is kind of happening right now. Companies all over are figuring out whether they want folks in the office or out of the office or kind of in the office or pods or whatever. You may be having those conversations at your company and you may or may not like what's being decided. Either way, the good news is you can join the Bets Recruiting Network to find a company that's totally aligned with what you're looking for from your work setup. Whether that's being in office, best buds with your deskmate, or literally never finding out how tall your coworker is. Learn more about finding your next role or hiring top talent at betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Hunter Walk, an investor at Homebrew. Hunter Walk, we've reached a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? Is it lightning round? It's the lightning round. Woo! Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Here we go. Do you have a favorite board game? Uh, Clue. Really? That's awesome. I'm really good at it. You're really good at it? Yeah. What does that mean? Besides the sheet that they give you yes. to record, I have a second sheet that I make. You're kidding me. Because if I track what other people are asking and whether they got shown something or not, I can inference other cards and win. I'm speechless because I love that so much, but I'm worried. Does it make it literally zero fun to play Clue? That's my goal. <laughs> my goal is to take every game, reduce it to its most basic quick, quick components oh and make God. it zero fun. Hunter, I want to play Clue with you now so badly. Like there's nothing I want more. Can you please schedule it? <laughs> I will show up and then I will leave the second the check hits the table <laughs> if it means we can play Clue. <laughs> That's my dream friend. Yes, I'm here. I'm ready. Seriously, put me in. Okay, when you make the bed, do you use a top sheet or no top sheet? Top sheet, but then we put another floating top sheet on top of the comforter for our dog because I like to have the dog sleep in the bed and my yeah. wife doesn't. Sure. And so the way that we compromise is by putting a sheet that theoretically will keep all the, the, dog, the dog filth off of us. Yeah, the dog filth. <laughs> It's That's biome. Great. It's so good for us. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like an argument. Look, I know this was laying around, but I have to talk about this because I Please. think that the, I think <laughs> I, that if, I have to talk about the dog filth. I have to Alexis. If you can take something, an animal, yes. a child, uh -huh. and you can give it an ultimate feeling of safety, like who are you to withhold that? And when that dog comes on that bed and leans uh -huh. against us, there's no safer, better place in the world for her. Just because she's yeah. got poop feet, we have to yeah. kick her out? Come on. That was compelling. Did it work? I mean, it must have worked because you got the dog on the bed. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the one of one of the strains in our in our marriage, but that's okay. That's okay. Eh, that's it happens. Okay. <laughs> the dog's in the bed. Look, at the end of the day, well, at least the dog is on the bed. Have you ever yes. read a book twice? I've read children's books twice. I used to like work to, in a children's bookstore. That was my oh, first really? well, besides my daughter. My first part-time job was working in a children's bookstore. I was really good. How old were you? Uh, I was probably like 15. What does it mean to be really good at working at a children's bookstore? I could sell to the kids well. Basically, I could get down at the kids level. Like if I needed yeah. to talk to the adults, I'd talk to the adults and blah, blah, right. blah. But toddler through preteen, yeah. I was the child whisperer. I kind of feel like that must be because I doubt you ever condescended to them. And I think oh, that's no. something that a lot of people get wrong about kids is that if you just don't condescend to them and if you really treat them like people then you can connect. You got to give them agency. You have to yes. make them feel heard. Yeah. Yep. And kids are brilliant. Like you learn so much. So no, I, was, I totally so, agree. So I, I had a few go-to books, but as an adult, the one book that I've read multiple times, yes, it can be used for good or evil. So it's one of those types of books. Um, it's this book what called Influence by Robert oh, Cialdini. By, yes, of course. Who, by the way, yeah. published a number of papers that I read in a class in college that literally changed the way I view Did the Did you read the one about the, the towels in the Arizona hotel? I don't think so. Ooh. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Wait, something for us to discuss over dinner after Clue. Exactly. After you, you beat me in precisely seven minutes because you have a side tracker. Yeah. So it's basically all about like various types of like, you know, cognitive biases and priming and all like, you know, the ways that people make oh, yeah. decisions and that type of so stuff. So would you recommend that I read it? Because I own that book. It's in my box of books over here to read. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think you're a thoughtful person? Oh, yeah, I certainly do. Are there people who don't? I think thoughtful people would find that book interesting. And bang, what I just did was get you to identify <laughs> a particular characteristic and then assign the book that characteristic. And it's oh, now much more yes. likely you're going to do wow. it. Wow, 
that's what people do. People do it. It's like, are you a good person? It's like good people. Yeah, you've been influenced. Bang! I just got influenced. That was incredible. I I really felt that. Thank you. Do I even need to read it at this point? I mean, I just got a master class. Yeah. Well, you've lived it. I've lived it. Uh, Do you have a pump up song? Like the song that gets me hyped? Yeah. Oh, do I have how many? I don't know. What's one that comes to mind? <laughs> you know what the weirdest one would be? Yes, tell me. Tubular Bells. What is it? You know what Tubular Bells is? No. <laughs> it's the theme to The Exorcist. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's by this guy, Mike Oldenfeld. Wait, I, you want to freak people out? Go yes? into a bar. Like when bars used to have jukeboxes, I guess sometimes yeah. they still do. Put on like tubular bells, what the <laughs> like, the, like the nine minute version, you will shut down a bar. Winter, wait, like, so you're telling me if you're like, I'm ready to get fired up. I've got a big thing happening. Hit me with tubular bells. Sometimes you got to get in that exorcism zone. Yeah. If you're exercising someone. Oh my God. Honestly, I really love that answer. I do feel unhinged by it, but I am going to really take that one to heart. Okay. This is my final, final question for you, Hunter. This has been so, so, so much fun. What would you title your memoir? Check for your name in the index. Wow. Cause isn't that what everybody does on these things anyway? They turn and see whether they're in the book. Like when people oh. were writing all those books about Google and stuff, I would always turn to see yeah. if I was in them. Well, that makes sense. You were there. But I feel like a lot of other people don't do that. I've never done that. Who would want to read my memoir if they didn't know me? Literally so many people. No, they'd want to turn. (laughs) No, so many people. Check for your name in the index. That's because that's what everybody does anyway. So I look forward to checking for my name in the index because certainly at the very least, not this episode is going to get, I'm not saying like a whole chapter. I mean, maybe a couple of chapters, but at least an honorable mention. I can only assume. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a credit. Maybe my memoir will only be, it'll be yeah. like a, be sort of like a yellow pages. It'll just be a directory That's beautiful. of every person I ever met. And so it'll just be an index. Well, Hunter, let me ask you this. Do you feel that you're an inclusive person? I like people to feel included. Well, if you're someone who likes people to feel included, then I think including me in the index of your book would be what an inclusive person does. Done. Where do you think I learned that trick? Yeah. See? <laughs> The student becomes the master. There we go. Oh my God, Hunter, this was so fun. Thank you so much for coming on Non-Technical. Thank you for having me. I never knew talking about non-technical stuff could be so much uh, so much uh, enjoyment. <laughs> so much enjoyment. I try to be so much enjoyment. Thank you. Where can people find more about you online? <laughs> Hunterwalk.com. And on anything that has a username, I'm probably the equivalent of at Hunterwalk. Amazing. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at Non Technical Pod on Twitter. One more time, Hunter, it's truly been so fun. It's been such enjoyment to have you, and I really, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Yes. Bye. 